Finding out how to do something is relatively easy. Going and doing it, having it where, which is really about your attitude. What attitude? What mindset? How do you talk to yourself? That's the thing that really, uh, you know, decides whether you're actually going to go out there and do it. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hello, it's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. It's time for episode 100 of the Method Marketing Podcast, where you'll discover how to grow your business, get more customers, have just have a better life. Just rock and roll and have a much better life with more freedom, with more time to spend with your family and a bigger, better, more enjoyable business. Now, if that doesn't sound good to you, I don't know what does. So today, I'll be talking to Ian Stanley, actually. Now, this is a funny one. I'm talking to Ian Stanley, but he's interviewing me, a bit like this podcast I did uh, on podcasting with Carl a couple of weeks back. and uh, But this one is, what I wanted to do for episode 100, as you find out in a minute, is, is I wanted to talk about my story, my background, where I've come from a bit about how I got to where I am now and what I'm seeing for the future. And uh, instead, I was going to do this myself, just uh, just tell the story. But uh, Ian emailed me and he wanted to do an interview for uh, a product that he's selling. So I thought, well, why not do this together? You can interview me. I'll make this the 100th episode on the McMethod podcast. And uh, you can send this, to, uh, send this to your customers. You'll hear about the whole story in a second. So today, you'll discover my story, where I came from, what I've learned along the way, and how you can apply the same strategies to get the same kind of results in your life, right? So that's just basically the same kind of results is more time and more freedom. I happen to use that freedom to live in Thailand, but you can use that freedom to do anything you want with, whatever's important to you. To get the show notes for this episode of the Email Marketing Podcast, go to themcmethod.com slash 100 for 100. Now, a couple quick things. If you, in case you don't know, you're able to, you can hire me uh, to work with you personally. So if you need an email autoresponder campaign, if you want a conversion funnel, a sales funnel, then I can work with you on that and I'll apply all, everything I've learned from the last few years of doing all these interviews and, and uh, working with probably hundreds of clients now. And I'll apply all those insights, all those strategies to getting you more customers, to creating you a turnkey automated sales and marketing machine with email marketing. Sounds pretty cool. So if you want to learn more about that or if you want to get on the phone with me to chat about that, shoot me an email, john at themcmethod.com. We'll have a chat about your business, find out if there's a good fit, and if it is, then we'll do some work together and get you more customers. This week's McMaster's Inside of the Week is, uh, is pretty simple, and it's I'm calling it Get Clients. Very, very straightforward. I mean, the thing is, when people get started, this is probably a, more of a tip for the people just getting started you know, in line with this, uh, my background story. You know, a lot of people get started with freelancing and consulting just because it's the easiest way to start making money. And step one is usually to quit your job because you need the extra freedom to go and do whatever it is that you, you really care about. And before you quit your job, it's kind of hard to build a proper business. One of the fastest ways to do it is to go and get clients, which copyright is great for. You pick up those clients, you bring in some extra income, pretty soon you're going to be able to quit the job, get out of the cubicle and be, on, you know, be living on your own terms. And uh, clients is this really simple way to, to keep the cash flow coming. A lot of people complain about clients and go on about them, but they're actually... Clients can be really good, and sometimes they're necessary too. I was reading a bunch of stuff this uh, last week or two about SaaS companies. So these are companies that they might, you know, these are companies that can be built into billion-dollar software companies. But at the start, you know, it's it takes a long time to start making money with a with a software company where you're charging people say thirty dollars a month for access to the software. And you know, all the stories that I've read is it takes a long time for you to make any serious money off that. And so, but if you the problem is if you run out of money, the business is going to go bankrupt, and you're not going to be able to do any, you're not going to be able to work on it anymore. 
you, you know, you're going to have to go get a job. Whereas if you have client work coming in, you can at least keep the cash flow going, keep the business alive, because in the long run, there's more upside with that than with clients. So clients can be useful. They can get you out of that job, and they can tide you over while, you, while you're building a, a, a business that scales a lot more. That's that. That's McMaster's. If you want to learn more about McMaster's, go to themcmethod.com. Follow the links to McMaster's in the menu. And uh, as for what it is, it's a private training community for VIPs only. That's a private training community. There is a forum. There's a bunch of training products in there, including the flagship training on how to write a 10-email autoresponder sequence. Makes it very simple, step-by-step with videos and a whole bunch of stuff. So check that out at themcmethod.com. And today I've got one review, another review, actually. The reviews have been rolling in. This one's from Owen McGab and now whoa I hope I said that your surname right now five stars the number one resource for actionable email marketing advice he says I am now on episode 12 and so far every single episode has been great I love how focused the podcast is on email marketing and no fluff so far which is interesting. I don't know if I've gotten a little bit more fluffy uh, as of late, but I've certainly moved away a little bit from the email marketing because there's only so much stuff you can say about the email marketing. And uh, personally, I find it quite interesting to kind of go in a bunch of different directions. We're down the sales funnels, down the motivation and the philosophical angle as well, which uh, if you listen to the podcast regularly, you probably understand what I'm talking about. So that's that. If, if you want to make my day and put a huge smile on my face, go leave me a review, five stars if possible. But uh, just ultimately, just be honest, go onto iTunes, go leave me a review and tell me what you think about the show and I will read it out on the show with your name and how you can even put your website in the review and I'll read that out on the show too and get you some uh, some publicity, which is pretty cool, huh? So that's it for now. Let's get into this interview with Ian Stanley and John McIntyre. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I'm here with Ian Stanley. Now, Ian's a direct uh, response copywriter. He writes copy full-time for one of the biggest DR companies uh, you know, on the internet and he's the only copywriter for them actually for a company that buys a huge huge amount of traffic, which uh, we might go into in a bit. But today we're doing another bit of a different episode because it's actually this podcast's 100th episode and I wanted to do something special and originally I was going to do like a sort of a solo episode where I was going to pick a topic and just, you know, rap on it for, for half an hour and have some fun with it. But, uh, but we just got on the phone with Ian then and uh, he, he's, he's got this idea he wants to send out some, he's got an email marketing product basically that teaches people similar stuff to me, how to write emails, how to make money with email kind of stuff and uh, he, he needs an interview to send out to them. It's like, man, why don't we do an interview on how to get clients and sort of my story and sort of, you know, where I came from, what I'm doing now, how, how it's all working, how the machine works. And then, you know, I can put it on my podcast to celebrate the 100th episode and uh, you can send it out to your, uh, you know, your email list or your customers so they can learn a bit more about how I guess a copywriter goes and gets clients you know, on his own with a website. So you can have some fun with that today. So he's, Ian's going to be doing the uh, bit of the questions and sort of carrying the, uh, carrying the episode in this one, a bit like the podcast one I did with Carl a couple of weeks back. So it's going to be fun. I have no idea what direction exactly this is going to go in, but uh, you can have some fun with it. Ian, how you doing, man? All right. I'm doing well. Good to have you it's, on the uh, show. Congratulations man. on the 100th episode. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. It's been, uh, when I first started, I had no idea how long I'd do this. I think the idea was I'd start it for you know, a couple months, see what happened. And uh, just the response has been, been so much, uh, so you know, I guess great that uh, it's been hard to stop. I just love doing it, man. It's, uh, I think some people just love to talk. Maybe uh, you know, people talk about like they love to hear the sound of their own voice. I hate to say it, but, um, but I think I'm one of those guys. And, you know, it, it seems to work all right for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the point of podcasts anyway. So I've been told the same thing more times than I can count. So yeah. I uh, understand. Yeah. 
it's uh, a burden, but a good one. At yeah, times. it's kind of like you gotta you gotta throttle it sometimes, kind of slow down, give people. T- but I don't know, yeah, it does work for podcasting. You're right. If you're gonna be on, this is basically radio. If you're gonna have a radio show, uh, you better be good at talking. Otherwise, it's it's not really gonna work too well. So, before we get into, uh, I guess the story behind sort of it feels weird introducing myself but like the story of what you know so what I did and the, uh, the how to get client stuff that we mentioned can you give the listener a bit of a bit more of a background on who you are so they have a bit of context on where you're coming from what you're up to what you do that kind of thing yeah so basically the past about two years nearly I've been writing copy full-time uh, I was with uh, one company as the sole copywriter for about 18 months. Um, it was the list of over a million subscribers uh, in the personal finance niche. And then I've just recently started working with um, a company called Crisis Education in Austin, Texas, uh, as the main copywriter. And um, then I just launched my own sort of email copy thing, similar to you, like you said. Mm. Uh, so just did that in December with uh, actually teamed up with Derek Johansson, the copy hour guy, uh, to to launch that first one. So um, been basically writing stupid amounts of sales letters, especially for the past three months. I've probably written I don't know ten or fifteen sales letters, probably fifteen at least. So just basically doing this all the time and uh, writing a whole lot of copy and uh, doing that as much as possible. Hmm. So it's been a a fast road and a quick introduction to all of it basically over the past two years I've learned far more than I ever thought I would um, and that's sort of led me to where I am now right right because that's the interesting thing I remember uh, I launched a product I think it was a year ago a year, maybe two years ago now it was a year and a half ago something like that and uh, and we got on the phone to chat because I think I emailed the list around that time and said uh, you know I'm looking to talk to people about email marketing and what they're looking for and basically do some market research and you were, I think you were one of the people that got back we had a chat on Skype a while back and so you've come up, you've moved up the ranks very, very quickly. Yeah, I think when we talked, uh, I had bought your product through uh, Andre's promo. And um, I remember where I was. I was sitting in my parents' office at my parents' house where I was living at the time, trying to make basically, you know, my first dollar. I think I'd made my first dollar and that stopped coming in. And so, I mean, I was doing nothing essentially. Mm. I was teaching tennis five hours a week and, you know, living at home. <laughs> Yeah. So things have changed uh, rather quickly. Considerably. I suppose you could say. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like we could go in a couple of directions with this. We could talk about your story and how you get clients, but let's uh, maybe we can do that next week or we can do another. No, uh, let's talk about you. Okay. your episode. <laughs> We're celebrating you, the John McIntyre. All right, so. man. Well, this is up to you, man. I, I mean, I don't know where you can take this wherever you want. All right. Well, let's, let's start with the, the dirty beginning then. That's, uh, I just said how I was living with my parents and stuff. So what... Uh, where were you before you, you know, basically got your shit together and uh, became the autoresponder guy? It's funny because I've told this story a few times, and it's, it's, it's. I always, I'm always curious how far back to go. So I'm going to go back to high school, right? Because that adds a bit more sort of context to the whole thing. You know, I'm in high school. I got into. I actually happened to be in like a smart school. I think you might you could call. It. You had to do a test again. It was a public school, but for smart people, I suppose you might say. And uh, so people, people at this school were expected to be really good, really you know, study really hard, um, you know, get really high grades, and then uh, you know, get some really you know, top marks in the in the state, and then go to university, and then go on to great careers. And uh, by year 11, I was sick of it. So I was 17 and decided to drop out. So here I am, this you know, kid at a smart school, and was you know. Destined for I don't know, great normal things like going to college, <laughs> uh, 
And uh, the way I saw it is I could, you know, do that normal path and I'd get a job and I'd get married and I'll work for 40 years and then retire and die and it just did not sound interesting at all. God, that makes me cringe just hearing it. <laughs> so I dropped out. It was at the start of, uh, start of year 12, so start of the final year of school. I was that close to finishing, nine months away from finishing and I bailed. And uh, my mom said I had to go and get a job and I had to do something with myself if I was going to drop out. So still living at home. So I uh, went and signed up to a community college. So that's, uh, you know, I guess a college for people who didn't finish school. And uh, you know, it's, it's very cheap as well. So I went there to learn about web design, thinking, oh, like, that's a good start. Learn about how to build websites so that I can make money on the internet because I'd obviously heard about it. And uh, six months later, I dropped out of there as well. <laughs> too slow, too boring, it just, you know, it wasn't really working for me. And during that time, I'd been working at a, uh, like a supermarket as a chat, we call them checkout checks, you know, scanning items at the front. Hey, how are you going today, sir? And, uh, or ma'am. It's uh, just doing that every day, man. It was, it was a tremendously exciting life. And Pretty similar to what you're doing now. <laughs> almost, man, almost. So we uh, sort of so did that, and it was around nine months after that, about September 20, what was that, 2007, I think. Uh, quit the job because I was sick of it, got my tax return, so I got about $1,500 worth of tax back from the government because I didn't earn enough to, make, uh, to have to pay tax, I think, that year. And I, uh, what did I do with it? I went and bought an Xbox and uh, spent the next probably three, six months just playing video games with a friend, uh, you know, getting drunk, going to parties. It was a productive period. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like um, you're getting a lot done. <laughs> Funnily enough, though, actually, I was trying to do like affiliate marketing, small scale stuff, not with paid traffic, just, you know, sort of bum marketing as it used to be called. And I think I made, looking back, I remember I looked at it a while ago. I'd made like $800 online that year um, in 2007. Which is, I mean, eight hundred bucks a lot on eight hundred bucks in one year doesn't really mean much, but that no, was but the... honestly, it's a lot of people struggle to get those first, you know, first dollar even. So exactly. for a lot of people, that's uh, that's substantial enough to get you to keep going. Exactly, but that's the thing I didn't right. So I got to the, you know, I started partying. I uh, basically had a stream from two thousand and seven to what was it eight, nine, ten. It was just a stream of like say like entry level sales jobs, telemarketing jobs where. You know, I learned a lot about you know human interaction and sales, but I didn't really go anywhere. I didn't make any money. I was I was constantly broke. I was just sort of like a you know a teenager who was sort of trying to prove that he was a you know a rebel and independent and all that, which is sort of what what a lot of people go through. And um, and anyway, so it gets around to 2011, and I uh, decide to go volunteer in Nepal for a few months. Go and you know. You know, go work in an orphanage, go uh, work in a, in a school. So I did that for four months at the start of 2011. It was a birthday present from my parents. And uh, so I went to Nepal, did that, had an amazing time and came back in it was June of 2011. And um, I did not want to be back. I'd been on this epic adventure, you know, <laughs> biggest mountains in the world, went trekking, hanging out with these kids and, and just incredible, you know, life-changing experiences. And here I was back in Sydney Australia, and I had to move out from home because mom didn't want me to live at home. And uh, I had to move out, and go and get uh, go and get a job. So I did, you know, did all that, and I was working at an e-commerce retailer doing some SEO, some really basic stuff. It was another entry-level job. There was, you know, there was nothing big about it whatsoever. Entry-level salary, and uh, you know, but I, I just had that feeling, man, that I want to do something more. I want to do something bigger. I did not want to, you know, play some corporate game, even if it was in the internet business. I didn't want to just work my way up through some company. It just seemed like such a boring way to live. So I. Right, uh, and this is still in Australia, right? This is still in Australia, yeah. So I, okay. I mean, I had the normal life. I was, you know, I, I was working. I'd catch a train to work every morning. You know, catch it home every night. You know, I'd be working eight, nine hours a day. Ten, you know, once you had to travel, it's ten or eleven hours. I didn't really have much of a life. Yeah, work nine to five and then drink on the weekends and Pretty live much. for that. Pretty much, man. So, but uh, 
it was actually about a year before that I'd started building like a, a, a website, you know, putting articles on it and things like that. So I had a website that made about three or four hundred dollars a month online. So I had a taste of what the internet money was like. I just couldn't live on it. But I knew that I wanted to go to Thailand, somewhere like Thailand and so I could do kickboxing on the beach and I could make a couple grand a month online and then I'd have the life. Then I'd be, then I would have made it. And uh, <laughs> funnily enough, while I was at this job and working every day, I obviously started wasting time because that's what you do when you don't really want to be a job. So I started, uh, <clears throat> you know, meeting people. I oh, started clicking around on the internet, found a couple of podcasts. And when I found these podcasts, one of them led me to the Lifestyle Business Podcast by Dan Andrews and Ian Schoen. And they actually, they actually run these internships where they'll bring over someone from the West and put them in, Phil- in the Philippines or Thailand or Bali and uh, give them sort of a job for a few months while they get their shit together and build a business and take off. So I did that. I, well, I applied to it. And well, I almost didn't apply. This is a funny thing. This story is kind of this is a long-winded story. But it's interesting, right? Because I, I found this job. I didn't apply it first. I was like, there's no way I'd get that. I'm not that special. I'm just not going to get it. So, but what I did later that day or later that week or something, I was listening to an Eminem song. Actually, it's a B.O.B. song with an Eminem verse. It's called Airplanes Part 2. That is a catchy song. I remember jamming to that in college, driving around campus. Very catchy. I know the song. There's that verse by Eminem, which it'd be fun to look it up right now because it sort of adds, um, let's see, Airplanes Part 2. Just because it's such an inspiring verse, and this is really what got me to... You know, to apply to this thing and sort of kick this whole thing into gear, because uh, you know, I think when it comes to success, whether it's you know this starting phase of the journey where you just like you know you just get in the engine started, or even later down the line when it's getting clients, getting big clients, a lot of it comes back to your own personal commitment and whether you're whether you're willing to go all in or whether you're going to question yourself and sort of be a little pussy. So, Eminem's yeah. verses. Let's see. All right, let's pretend Marshall Mathers, that's Eminem, never picked up a pen. Let's pretend things would have been no different. Pretend he procrastinated, had no motivation. Pretend he just made excuses that were so paper thin they could blow away the win. Marshall, you're never going to make it. Makes no sense to play the game. There ain't no way that you win. Pretend he just stayed outside all day and played with his friends. Pretend he even had a friend to say was his friend and it wasn't time to move and schools weren't changing again. He wasn't socially awkward and just strange as a kid. He had a father and his mother wasn't crazy as shit and he never dreamed he could rip stadiums and just lazy shit. Fucking talent show in a gymnasium. Bitch, you weren't a man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After this time, we had a chat. It's actually funny about not swearing. No, we're not swearing too much, but this Eminem versus a lot of, lot of swear words here. So anyway, you get the idea. What he's saying is that pretend that Eminem just didn't try. Pretend he just acted, tried to act normal, that his life didn't suck, that he, that he just sort of had the normal thing. He would never have had the success that he had. And so I, I, I was listening to this song on repeat while walk, walking home from work just after I'd found that job opportunity. I hadn't um, applied. I was like, well, I'm not going to get that. I'm not that special. And then this verse just got to me. It was like, yeah, but if you think like that, you're never going to amount to anything. If you change your tune, and this is me talking to myself, if you change the way you think and you go and apply to this job and just take a more aggressive attitude to life, just like Eminem did, you're going to go places. And so I was like, screw it. I went, I went home that night and I applied to the job. And uh, it was strange at the time. I actually had a funny feeling that I was going to get it. I couldn't know. I don't know where that feeling came from, but it was like the, you know, by that point I decided, I was like, I'm in. You talk to yourself. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. So did that, got the, uh, did a couple interviews for it. And then they're like, yep, you got it. So I booked a one-way ticket and I uh, went to the Philippines. So not Thailand, actually. The first stint was in the Philippines. And uh, the idea was that I had four months and I'd build a business. And after four months, I'd leave and have this incredible tropical lifestyle. But after four months, man, I had nothing. I was almost out of money. I almost had to buy a ticket to go home to Australia. You know, it was, you know, I, you know my side had got knocked out by a Google update. So I um, tried some affiliate marketing, gotten banned from Google AdWords, tried doing a dating site. I didn't get one customer. It was just not working. <laughs> okay. That's it. I actually want to go back to uh to what you said before because this i actually had written this down before you just said that about 
the way that you talk to yourself had changed because I was curious, you know, if, if there was, you know, if you had like a big, like one turning point, like if there was one moment where you could say everything sort of shifted for you and things changed, you know, because what I've found and what tends to be the truth with any sort of success is that so much of it's psychological, you know, and how much you decide to take action and what you believe and how you talk to yourself. And it sounds like, you know, that was what sort of pushed you over is the way that you talk to yourself changed and you stop, you know, having that sort of view of I can't do things. I, I'm not that special. Who am I to, you know, get this opportunity? Um, and you sort of change that. And it's, it's pretty cool that Eminem was able to have that effect on you. And if this whole internet marketing thing doesn't work out, I think you could maybe be the next Australian Eminem. <laughs> just so you know. I was I was sort of falling into the rap then when I was trying to I was trying to read it, but it's sort of hard. Uh, you to started read it. reading and then it turned into a rap for sure. I could feel your emotion <laughs> from across the ocean. Uh, now I'm rapping too. See, I can't even stop. <laughs> <laughs> just having a little bop. Um, so. <laughs> But we'll just start a rap group. We don't need to do internet marketing anymore. Let's do it, man. That's where the money is. That's where, you know, we can even have an order responder and, and for, the, for the rappers. Yeah, we'll take it by storm using email. <laughs> what you do? But anyway, no, you're absolutely right, man. I've been thinking lately and telling, telling everyone that I have this conversation with that. The game is like at least 90% mental, if not 99%, because... It's so easy to find what you need to do online, whether it's getting clients or you know becoming a better copywriter, or even making like a. There's books out there about how to make a billion dollars. You know, it's obviously not as simple as reading a book and going and doing it, but knowing how, finding out how to do something is relatively easy. Going and doing it, having and which is really about your attitude, what attitude, what mindset, how do you talk to yourself? That's the thing that really. Uh, you know, decides whether you're actually going to go out there and do it. And if you can get that stuff cleared up, that mental baggage, that all that stuff that holds us down, if you can get rid of that and get that on, you know, and get the right stuff in there, the right thoughts, man, it's easy. It's really, it's, really, really easy. It's very true. I'll, as a quick side note, just on that, on that note, I actually, um, it must have been probably a little bit before I talked to you. It might have been after. I don't. Started 2013. I read the book As a Man Thinketh every single day for 21 days. Uh, and I don't know if you've read that book, but if you want to change your life, that's, I had already read the book, I don't know, five times, but, uh, I found myself in a bit of a, I just, I just wanted to really take it to the next level and, you know, change my life. And I won't go into what happened, but a lot of pretty unbelievable things happened over the course of those 21 days. Mm. And just, I would start my day basically with, I mean, it's a 30 minute read basically. And by just reminding myself how important my thoughts were and just the quality of my thoughts because you know your thoughts dictate your actions and if you can control the quality of your thoughts you're going to control the quality of your actions yeah. and make a change you know it's very rare that you hear of successful people who talk about how you know life is you know all the de you know the deck was stacked against them and how you know making excuses and all that you know that's that's not the way successful people speak yeah no, it's not. You know, it's it's and it's funny too. Like I've noticed this in the in the gym when I go in and like uh, you know squat or deadlift or do any of this stuff. It's uh, when it gets starts to get really heavy. There's that I walk in and I'm like, oh, I'm probably gonna stall out. I'm probably gonna drop the bar today. You know, and I'm gonna even say it to if my friends in the gym. I'm be like, oh, it's getting really heavy, man. I'm not sure if I can do it today. And it's you know I've obviously stopped myself doing it now. But what I've noticed is that if I let those thoughts even leave my lips, I'm so much less likely to be able to lift that bar because I've pre-framed or primed my 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 entire being or my conscious to not think that, that it's possible. So when I do that lift and let's say it gets really hard on the fourth rep, I'm dropping that bar because my brain hasn't been set up to push through it. 
it's expecting to fail and it's expecting when it gets too hard that it's going to give up because I've told it that way. And this is so people think like, all right, well, that's great and everything, but you can't just change your thoughts. It's like, well, actually, you can. You can. can. I 100% believe that you can. And the thought that you can't change your thoughts is the only thought holding you back from actually being able to do it. Yeah. Because it's like that, that thought happens like, oh, I don't think I can do the lift today. If you catch yourself thinking that or if it's like, oh, I can't, I can't quit my job and go and become a copywriter and travel the world. I can't, you know, go and make a million dollars. If you say that, you can stop yourself and be like, oh, hang on, I can do it. And you create the new thought. And every time you think the, the negative one, you replace it with the positive one. Over time, it's going to start to become a habit and it's going to start to define your reality. And you're going to start, if you think it's possible to make a million dollars, you're going to start looking at opportunities differently. You're going to work harder. And... It's just so interesting. Like people, sometimes some people, you know, might you might listen to this kind of thing. Well, this is this is great. This is so, you know, so common sense and so. You know, can't you just tell me how to do it, how to get clients? And like, yeah, that's that's part of it. But this is like this is totally most of the game. If you don't have clients, if you don't have the business or the life that you want, this is where it starts. It's yeah. I mean, the thing is, is you can know how to get clients. I can tell you, you know, go follow this strategy, and the strategy could work. But if you don't follow the flipping strategy. It's not going to amount to anything, you know. So if you don't take action on what people are telling you, it doesn't matter, and it's your thoughts that are going to dictate that, and it's your perception of really what's possible that dictates what you're going to do and what you actually achieve. I mean, like you said, if if you think you can make a million dollars, you'll be able to do it. But what's interesting to think about is that there are people who laugh at the thought of making a million dollars because it's so easy for them. Hmm. They're like, yeah, let me make this phone call, boom, million dollars. Yeah. You know, let me write this sales letter, whatever it is, like a million dollars to them is, is nothing. So it's just your perception of what's possible. To them, making a million dollars is like it is for you or I to make a dollar. Yeah. You know, if somebody said you have to make a dollar in the next 30 minutes, you'd figure out a way. Yeah. You know, and that's just your perception of what's possible. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> bit of a tangent over. Bit of a tangent on the, <laughs> uh, on the mindset side of things. But so, um, to go back to that, so that was what I was, was around. So I turned up in the Philippines right in October 2011. And, uh, I mean, I was there, like I said, for four months. The idea was after four months, I'd take off. But after four months, I think I had like $200 in my bank account. You know, I was, uh, you know, I had visas and I had stuff to spend. You know, I'd start, I had expenses while living in the Philippines. It was cheap, but it wasn't free. And um, so I was, almost, I was almost out of action. I was almost, you know, I have to go home, get a job, give up, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, that's where a lot of this mindset stuff comes in. I had this attitude that I was going to make it work or I was going to run completely out of money and borrow money from my mom probably to, to, uh, to get myself home. And what, uh, what worked to me is that I'd made a good impression on the people at this, uh, at this resort in the Philippines where I was working. And so they allowed me to stick around like indefinitely to kind of be like, all right, well, you're doing good. Stick around, help us out, and, uh, and you can leave when you're ready, which was, which was wonderful. And um, obviously something ended up working, which happened to be copywriting because I'd started to, I'd realized that if I could make money for a company, uh, then I can basically write my own ticket. I can, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never be out of work. You can't replace me with a machine. It's, it's you know, sales and marketing, it's going to be forever. I don't know if you're ever going to be able to automate it with machine because it's such a creative, you know, thinking um, outside the box kind of task. And yeah, so, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> like you get software that automates it, but it's it's nowhere near as good as a you know proper copy. No, and somebody still has to write those first pieces or whatever it is. There's no yeah. robot that's writing the uh, exactly. all that. So that was where it started for me. I started writing copy, and around about June, some. I mean, this is where it gets really. I feel like this is the simple part because it's sort of up until this point that's been the struggle, the back and forth, the dealing with all the questioning and doubting and all that. Once I got past all that, it was just that I'm doing this, whatever it takes. It was relatively easy. And what I mean by that is once I started learning how to write copy and I you know, showed that I had a bit of a talent for it, one of the guys who, uh, who set up the job in the Philippines, Dan, he, uh, he heard I was learning how to write copy and studying email marketing. So he says, well, I need some emails for my list. You can write some emails. I'll give you a couple hundred bucks. 
And at that stage, I could not believe, I couldn't even fathom that someone would pay $200 just for emails. It blew my mind. Right, which effectively doubled your bank account at the time as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's where I started. You know, I did a couple sales letters for a friend for 100 bucks each. Um, you know, and that kept me going. It got, you know, got the ball rolling. And um, that was where it started. And from there, what happened, I mean, how it all sort of, you know, where I now live in Thailand and travel around and sort of have this dream lifestyle, that some might call it. What really, because I guess the question here is like, how did I get clients? Because what happened? So I'll go through fairly quickly with this part. I moved to Thailand in October 2012, and uh, I started a website at that time. It was called DropDeadCopy.com, and I was offering, you know, landing pages and uh, you know, autoresponders and stuff like that. And I remember I went to, I did a podcast with Dan. This was this is the first way I got clients. When Dan, uh, you know, was happy with the work I did, the the 10 emails that I'd written for him, we uh, his, his conversion rate or email conversion rate went up from well, we 257% was the increase, which was great. And uh, with this new sort of offer and emails and that, that sort of stuff. So he was happy. We did a podcast on it and um, basically told my story and sort of what I was doing. Then made an offer that if you, know, if you want to hire me to write emails for you too, you know, let's jump on Skype, let's have a chat and you can pay me and I'll write the emails. And I bumped it up to $500. And a uh, couple people... And at that stage, $500 was nuts. I could not believe it. So, so, and this was, this was not like big money at all. I was in, you know, I ended up being in Thailand by then. And um, it wasn't, you know, it was, it was good money for Thailand, but uh, it was certainly not you know, rich by any means. Yeah, like, not in the Western world, perhaps not livable. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> so, it's, but that's where it started, you know. So, I realized that podcasts worked for me. You know, I'd get on there, you know, I could talk. So I went and did a bunch of different podcasts while also building up my own website with, um, you know, a couple of blog posts, a couple of videos, that kind of thing. And so it was about six months later, I decided, well, you know, I wonder how hard, hard it is to do. What did I, how did I do this? I think I went to, um, I wanted to create a product, right? So I was, had, had some client work, making a couple grand a month because what would happen is mo- most of it was just, it was pretty much all just referrals, I think. And uh, I was posted in a, a couple of different forums, which also brought me some, some good leads, which paid me. But um, sort of building up my website and somewhere around then, I obviously a lot of people get into a position where like, oh, I've got copyright, I've got uh, clients coming in, but what I need now is, is some product income, so income that I don't really have to work for. Right, now at this point, had you positioned yourself, because something I thought was interesting about what you did is, you know, you are the autoresponder guy, yeah. right? And I'm, I don't know if, I, I doubt somebody called you and was like, hey, John, you're the autoresponder guy now, go and call yourself that. I mean, yeah. You know, you framed yourself and positioned yourself as that guy, yeah. Yeah. right? And, and that, you know, there's that automatic, I mean, I remember the first time when I, saw your offer with Andre, I was like, oh, he's the autoresponder guy. I don't know what that really means exactly, but like, he's got a name. He yeah. must know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, you know, you had that, that sort of credibility already, which I, I think something important for people to realize is that, you know, you are as credible as you, you know, you can add credibility just on your own with things like, you know, how you position yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, that actually came from, that's a good question, actually. It was around January, oh, it was a few months after I got to Thailand, right? It's about January, February 2013. And I was going through some marketing consulting training because I was trying to find out how to get bigger clients or recurring clients. And uh, the first module in that was, well, you got to create a USP for a client that you work with. And going through the videos, eventually it dawned on me that what the hell is my USP? I don't have a USP. I'm a copywriter, but there's, there's probably thousands, tens of thousands uh, of copywriters out there trying to pitch their services. What's my deal, you know? And that's, so I was like, well, most people come to me for emails and autoresponders. So I think I did a few Google searches, clicked around a bit. It was like, I'm going to be the autoresponder guy. That's where I started. I'm just going, I knew, I think I'd read a book called uh, Positioning by Al Reese as well. And that sort of gave me a few ideas too. But I knew that if I would call myself the autoresponder guy, it's a really, really easy way for people to refer me to others. Because they go, oh, he's the autoresponder guy. He just he just does email marketing stuff. And um, it adds credibility because it makes it sound like, you know, if, if you're going to hire someone to write just a piece of copy, hire a copywriter. But if you want emails, you're gonna, you'd rather 
go with the autoresponder guy than just a copywriter, even if the quality is the same, or even if the other copywriter is better than I am, you're probably still going to hire me because I'm the autoresponder guy. Right. And that's sort of, your, that's what I've said to people as well is, you know, if you want to become, you know, a good freelance copywriter, make a living doing that, I think the way to start is with email. Because yeah. there's so many people who just don't know what they're doing. There are so many businesses who need it. But by positioning yourself immediately as an email specialist, there's just a different frame of reference for them to look at you and think, all right, this guy knows his stuff when it comes to email. You know, that's his bloody name. Yeah, yeah. And it was sort of like, I mean, some people think that I tried, you know, I sort of consciously went in this direction. But to be honest, it was sort of like a like a lucky thing. I didn't set out to be like, well, I'm going to be the autoresponder guy. You know, when I started writing copy, I just wanted to be a copywriter. You know, one day I was thinking I wanted to you know, be a big time copywriter, maybe like John Carlton or something. And that's no longer a goal for me. But that was sort of how it started. And then, you know, I just happened, it was completely by chance that I happened to write emails for Dan. And then we did a podcast on the emails. And that was where it all started. Like, that's probably the reason that now it's, you know, the autoresponder guy. I think if I'd written a sales letter for him, maybe I would have been the sales letter guy. Or maybe I would have gone in a completely different direction. So it's, it was a chance thing. Like it's some. I mean, that's. I think that's an interesting part of it. I didn't preempt this or, or anything. It just sort of came together and happened. And yeah, that's the funny part. It, it worked out. Yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's typically how this stuff goes. There's hardly any uh, ability to plan for the future of this online world and actually know what's going to happen next. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. Is it's hard. Like some people want to know. Like you know, if you can you do it from the outset? And yeah, you can position yourself from the outset. But it's probably going to be if you have no clients or very little, you know, leverage. It's going to be a little bit difficult. If if you're just getting started, I think you need to get some clients first and either both figure out what you like doing, what you enjoy doing for clients, and then also what sort of clients you're picking up. You know, don't you know? It's it's you can go. Yeah, you can figure out your positioning and USP before you get started, or or you could do it afterwards. But there's not some magic recipe. I mean, at the end of the day, just go and get started. Start with what you got, do your best, and you know one thing that uh, I think has worked well for me is I'm good at like thinking on the fly and just sort of doing you know figuring things out as I go along. I don't, I try not to overthink things. I just do stuff, um, and that's been. Some people don't like that. Some people think that's you know it means I've made mistakes. You know I've sent out you know emails that have mistakes in them. I've you know I've I've done things which maybe if I was more calculated I wouldn't have made those mistakes. But to me the 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 return on being a fast mover, especially with what well, with anything really, but with something like this. Go out there and be willing to fail, try stuff, do all sorts. Of, I think that's a really good attitude to have with it. Um, so with that, with the yeah. USB stuff, just just do it. Just go out and try stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm of the same mold. I, you know, do it live, do whatever you got to do, get it done. Money's attracted to speed. You know, you're not gonna trying to perfect something. The the fact is, especially in in what we do with even with email copy, with sales copy, with whatever it is, you don't know what's perfect anyway. The market's gonna dictate what's perfect by you know pulling out their wallet. Mm. So write something that gets 80% of the results that takes five hours instead of trying to write this perfect sales letter that may not even outperform the other one taking 20 hours. You know, and that's, especially with email, people take, you know, an hour, two hours, three hours to write an email. And you're like, dude, just write it in 20 minutes, write it. I've done this, I've written out typos and all sorts of bollocks like that, but I, you know, you get it done. Yeah. And that's far more important than getting it perfect. Yeah. Um, but I think for a lot of people, it's a bit of an oversimplification. Like, well, you can't just, you know, go and do stuff. Well, you can. You just have to make that that yeah. choice. I think there's um, this, yeah. I think people, a lot of this comes from our childhood. Whether A lot, I think, really has to do with how our parents, how, how we've seen our parents behave and what they've done. Because some people have this, have an aversion to failure. Like, they want to get everything right before they set out. Because if they fail, it's a big deal. But other people, they've probably been, uh, you know, often with their parents and probably partly with their teachers at school, they learned 
or they were taught that it's okay to fail, it's okay to do things wrong, and you know, it's not the end of the world. And yeah, someone's going to get a bit annoyed. You know, if we swear a little bit on this podcast, there might be someone who's in the car with their kids and they don't like it. But at the end of the I mean, day, this is well behaved for me. It's the best I've ever done. <laughs> I think I've swore- Other than sleeping, this is the least I've sworn in an hour. Or yeah. 30 minutes or whatever in my life. Well, I think I swore, if I read that entire Eminem verse, I would have, you know, kind of probably swore more than the last 10 episodes in, you know, one <laughs> So, but it's it's kind of like you can't, like, I'm not that worried about it. Yeah, it'd be nice to get everything perfect and polished and, you know, we'll get all the swear words edited out, for example, to not, you know, annoy that one person who's in the car with the kids. But at the end of the day, like, just go and execute. Like, uh, aim for volume of, I like, especially when you're getting started, aim for volume of stuff, not, I guess, quantity. There, there is an argument to say, at least at least when you're getting started in the early stages, aim for quantity of, like, getting stuff done, getting shit done. How about we say that? Aim for quantity of stuff 100%. done, not quality. At least, for, uh, later on, you're going to have, you can worry about the quality once you've figured out what works, but at least initially, quantity is going to be more important because you're just trying to figure out what the hell's working. Yeah, I totally, I mean, that's the thing is you meet people who know, who could recite, you know, John Carlton's theories and Gary Halberts and you know talk about they've hand copied 100 sales letters and it's like oh so how many sales letters have you written like well um well I haven't, I haven't done any yet but it's like well you can know all the bloody theory in the world but if you don't do something you're not going to learn yeah. and you know especially in the beginning like I said just I mean there's no better way to get good at writing other than writing a bunch yeah. and you know, I think going back to what you said about, you know, your childhood and believing in failure is, you know, seeing failure sort of as a result, it, you know, as, as something to grow from as opposed to something terrible as I played tennis my whole life growing up and God, I rarely talk about it, but I played in college and could have kept playing after, but I, I hated it, but it was my parents. It was always such a big, when I lost, I was punching walls and just going mental and, you know, just, it was the worst thing in the world because I, that failure was, I was so attached to it being terrible that it made me not ever want to go out there. And with writing, when I started doing copywriting and stuff, I just wrote without any judgment. I didn't think, hey, this is going to be great or this is – sometimes I'll be writing and I just this is the worst thing I've ever written. But I just send it out or I just keep going. But not having that judgment, not viewing it as like a personal failure is what allows you to just keep growing from each failure. If you take them personally, you're not going to want to keep trying. Yeah. But if you just view it as like, okay, cool, I just failed. That's a lesson. Yeah. Carry on. And this is another thing too. Like, like I think – I used to think that everyone was everyone should get in a business for themselves. Everyone should go and be an entrepreneur, or you know, you know. I used to tell my mom that when I you know chat with my friend, mom, you know, I'd be really idealistic about it, talking about how this is the new way, this is the the, the future. Everyone needs to take themselves more seriously and go and be successful. And now I'm like, man, it's really not. It's not. It's not for most people. Like most people can't do it because. Most people can't. Most people are perfectionists. Most people can't. They don't know how to fail, or they take failure so personally that it, you know, knocks them down, and they quit. They're so stuck in their heads. They're so they question themselves and self-doubt and all that. And not not only that, they're not willing to work on it. So, like, you know, conversely, someone who's going to be a good entrepreneur, I think, is willing to, at the very least, they're already willing to accept failure and go and you know, screw up a whole bunch of times, or if not. They're willing to, to develop that ability. They're willing to kind of think, all right, well, maybe I'm not very good at it right now. Maybe I am scared and, and I've got lots of self-doubt and I've got these issues from my childhood or all that sort of stuff. But because I'm interested in doing this, because I have a mission to achieve, I'm going to do whatever it takes to clear out this emotional baggage and, and fit, get my head screwed on right so I can do what I need to do. Yeah, and, and I think you hit it, you know, hit the nail on the head there. Is it, it's a choice, just like all you know, what we've been talking about here is I, I was a prime example of somebody who took all failures personally. Like when I, you know, if I lost a match, that was I failed as a human being. I'm pathetic. I am a piece of shit. I'm worthless. You know, I'd say that for 10 minutes and then I'd forget about it and move on with my life. Yeah. But for those, you know, when you attach that sort of awful negative talk to 
a loss or a failure. If I did that after, I, if I wrote a piece of copy that didn't meet a control, and I decided, and I found out it didn't win, and I went and punched a wall, and you know, started throwing things, I, in no way would I want to keep writing. Yeah, you know, but I viewed it. But so I had to make a choice, though, to go. Yeah, like I'm going to do this, and failure is not. It doesn't mean I have failed. I'm not a bad person for not doing something well. Mm-hmm. You know, that thing that I did just didn't go well. Yeah, yeah. So now I should get better at it. Exactly. You know? Exactly. There's this. But, go on. Go ahead. <laughs> I read this. Uh, Still, I read a book recently called uh, "Daring Greatly" by. Uh, one of the top uh, t- the top viewed talks on TED or the top viewed TED talks by a chick called Brené Brown. She's got this talk on vulnerability. It's a twenty minute talk. It's worth watching. But she's got this book called Daring Greatly, and it's all about shame. And uh, you know, maybe you know, you might think, oh well, shame. You know, well, who cares about shame? I just want to know how to make money. What's interesting though is this book. It, it it talks about shame for women and shame for men. It's fascinating how it puts it into. But for men, you know, I will talk about that just because you know we're, we're both men. The issue is that like shame for men. What we're and I think every man has an, has an, has a, a certain a certain amount of shame towards you know what he has done and hasn't done. But the, the shame for men boils down to the idea of I am, don't be a pussy. So men feel shame. Men yeah. feel afraid or they feel inferior when. And I think this is so true when they feel like they're not capable, when they're not trustworthy, when they can't live up to the you know when they're not good enough to take care of themselves, when they're not making up. Because it's not like men don't need to make a lot of money. It's not really about the money. It's what the money represents. And for a lot of men, money can represent you know their ability to provide their ability to to be independent and free and uh you know the point in this book is that if you go and do something if you write a bad control or if i you know piss off a client or if you know I, we have a bad podcast or something like that it doesn't mean that oh i'm a bad person or i'm a pussy or something like that it's, it might be like the don't be a pussy thing is a good example with like women in terms of like if man a man's trying to meet a woman you know for get married whatever or just a girlfriend just have some have some company the you know a, a typical storyline in his head is gonna be if i don't approach her i'm a pussy and it's like, no, that's not true. You are a man, period. What you're doing, you know, maybe your behavior is you're, you're, you're behaving uh, in a weak way. So you're acting weak or you're behaving you're acting weak. Acting like a pussy. But you are not a you, pussy. You are not one. And it's... Yeah, it's, it's the it. separation of yourself from, from the action. Yeah, it's the difference of like, I am, I am bad. Because this is what a lot of people think that if they do bad things, well, they're bad. And that's what we think, you know, I just, you know, I'm a bad friend or I'm a bad this, I'm bad that. It's like, no, you may have behaved badly and you may have done the wrong thing, but you still, you know, it's, it's not even case if you've got to get away from thinking about, I think yourself is good or bad. You just are, you are a man or you are a woman. You're not good or bad either way. You can just behave in bad or good ways and you really got to choose that when it's behavior, you can just be like, well, screw it. I can just behave differently next time. It's no, there's no ego in it after that. Yeah, and that I mean that's the sort of dilemma of life, of life, right? As people are their identity, they are who they think they are. The thoughts that create the self that is, you know, what you know, that's who they think they are. Is what if they fail at something? That's them as a human being, who they are at their core, failing, as opposed to realizing that there's a separate part that just is. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's uh, the best quote I've ever heard on enlightenment is just things pretty much are what they are. Dealing with the world on that level is enlightenment. You know, and not how we got to enlightenment here, but essentially, I mean, it comes down to is you know these failures aren't. There's nothing to do with you. It's not. It's not like you're bad. You're dumb. You're stupid. You're lazy. You're whatever. Just trying something separates you from ninety nine. You know, ninety five percent of the population. Hmm. Most people are content to live lives of you know boredom and mediocrity, which is and you know fine. Using the word, oh, things are fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Life's fine. I'm content. You're not. You're not content. When you're saying the word fine, you're bloody miserable. <laughs> yeah, 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 you just yeah. don't know it. 
I mean, I like the idea of being like, instead of being like, I'm good or bad, I, I like the idea of thinking like, you can choose to be whoever you want. So you could be like, well, I'm going to, I am, I'm an aggressive, you know, like you might say like, I'm an aggressive person who goes after what they want and, uh, and usually I get it. And then you might be like, well, I'm this, uh, you know, I'm a positive, upbeat, you know, visionary, ambitious, blah, you know, positive, whatever. But in this situation, I didn't behave like that. So next time, I'm going to behave differently in line with who I am. So kind of be like, proactively think, this is who I am. And sometimes my behavior is going to match it. Sometimes it isn't. And when it isn't, I'm going to bring that behavior back in line with who I want to be. So it's like taking that self-image and using that, creating that self-image to then drive the behavior instead of looking the behavior to drive the self-image, which is like we go, I did something bad, therefore I am bad. Yeah, I mean, you can, just like we're talking about choices, just you can choose the identity of who you want to be. Um, I mean, and sometimes events happen that sort of choose it for you. Like for me, I got mugged when I was 15 in England and I didn't realize it at the time. It took me four years to realize that those, that minute, two minutes was defined every single moment from there on out in my life because I wanted to become the type of person that wouldn't be held at knife point again. Right. So when you, so you, you know, you create this identity. So, and because of that, you then do all of the actions necessary to become that person that you choose. If you want to be successful in business or if you already are and you want to be better, whatever it is, you create that self-image, you can make a choice that you won't accept being somebody else and you'll just keep going until you get there. Yeah, exactly. Um, So back to email clients. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We we can solve uh, all of the world's problems. I don't know, we've got like 10 minutes another time, right? That's all we need. Okay. Um, If you had to get your first client and somebody, so if somebody just erased all of your, you know, resume, your name was... Tom Johnson, I don't know why that's the name I'm going with. Um, and you know, you're just starting out, you don't have credibility as far as having written, you've, you've been learning some stuff, you've been going, you know, maybe you've gone through some courses uh, and you've learned how to write some email copy and stuff, but you've got to find your first client, what are you going to do? I'd probably just go and, I'd go somewhere where I'm going to meet people who might need my, need my stuff and who know they need it. So like I wouldn't, I mean, like sometimes with this question, it's, it might be like, well, I've got all these great skills. I can call people up and do cold calls. Most people aren't going to do that, especially if they're just getting started. So that if I didn't have like the confidence and I didn't have the skills, I didn't have all that stuff when I was at the beginning again, but I knew a little bit about, you know, sort of how to get there. I'd probably just go to, um, I'd go to like meetup.com and find, an, you know, either internet marketing meetup or just a marketing meetup in my town. I'd go there. I just, I'd be, you know, get to know a few people and offer some value and talk to them about how, you know, because eventually I'd ask them what they're doing and that's going to mean that they're going to ask what I'm doing. And I'll be like, well, I'm actually, I'm actually a copywriter. I've been studying it for a while. I'm actually looking for, for my first few clients. Um, you know, is there, you know, maybe you need some help with copy. And then I reckon, you know, either the first night I went to one of those things or, you know, night or two later, or I might even go to a marketing conference because you, you always meet these kind of people there too. I'd go like that. I'd pick up a client that way because... As long as like this means you've got to have social skills, you've got to be able to smile, you've got to be able to have a conversation and shake someone's hand and look them in the eye. And some people can't do that. So I, I think you really need to learn how to be social, how to be good with people if you want to do this. Um, you know, if you're not good with people, you're, gonna have, you're really going to struggle to get clients. But uh, if you can do that, that's, I think that would be the easiest way for someone to get started without doing like cold calls or you know, using some more of the advanced, even intimidating strategies. They might not be that advanced, but they can be quite intimidating to a newcomer. So go and meet people, be cool, help them out. Don't pitch your services, just sort of find out if there's anything you can do to help them. Maybe even do it for free in exchange for uh, you know, a testimonial or something like that. That would be the way I'd get started because that's how I did yeah. get started really. I, think, I mean, I think that's brilliant. I think a lot of people just that's, that's too simple almost. You know, I think that's great advice. It's just it, 
it doesn't have to, you know, start locally. Start with people, not like, you don't have to, it's not like sending out an email like you're some MLM person, you know, hey, did you see this new weight loss supplement that I now get paid to sell you or whatever? Yeah. You know, it's just talking to people that do stuff. And one thing I'll say about email is that so few people understand it. I mean, it's mind-blowing how bad people are at email. I remember being at a conference uh, at FinCon, this financial bloggers conference, and talking to the owner of one of the biggest personal finance blogs. I probably won't say it just because I don't want to be mean, but you would 100% know who they are. And I was like, oh, so what are you guys doing for emails and stuff? And they're like, uh, I was like, you guys have tested, you know, I'm sure like what you're doing and how your strategies are and all that. And he's like, no, uh, we just send, we just send the email with the blog posts. Um, we've never tested anything or try. I'm like, what? I'm like you guys are getting, you know, like a hundred thousand visitors a day, you know, millions of people a month. And you're not doing that? No. And it's just like, so if you frame yourself really as an email specialist, it's amazing how people won't even, you know, if you just say that, people are like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing anything with my email. Hmm. You know, and even smart people, heaps of smart people and people that are making great money don't know what they're doing. So like you said, if you just go talk to them, you'll be amazed at sort of how many people will. And, and you know, even if you want to do something for free to start yeah. and just be like, hey, if this works, then you can pay me or then I'll do more work for you. Or something like that, but um, I think you know. I don't think it has to be that much more complex than what you said. I got my first thing on Craigslist, you know, and I went in and talked to this company. And when I started talking about email, they were like blown away because they knew nothing. All I had to do was know more than they knew, yep. you know, which was essentially nothing. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, man, it's so, it's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, it's one thing I found, like one thing that drives my client side of the business, a lot of people don't know this, is uh, I just email my list. I mean, people on the list obviously know this, but like when I get, a lot of my clients come from just emailing the list, saying something about, here's a campaign that's, uh, you know, it's, here's an idea for a campaign that, you know, if you want us to run it for you, hit reply and just say, I'm interested. And someone replies, says, I'm interested. I'm like, all right, well, let's get on the phone. We get on the phone, we have a chat, and then we do the deal. Like it's that, and I do that a couple times a week, and it's it's that easy. It's incredible. That's I mean, that's the other thing. If someone wants to be a copywriter, you know, or you know, an email specialist, start. I'd I would start. You know, one thing I could say is like start a blog, start, not just a blog, but start a website. Put something out there that sets you because if you're going to be a copywriter, you're a bit of a personal brand. So set something up like that. Start do some podcast interviews, or you know, write some blog posts and videos. Do something because you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be pr- like glad you did in a year or two's time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and even if you don't have the credibility now, like, I mean, I could have gotten on a podcast two years ago and been like, oh, I've read all this stuff and, you know, started one little dating site or something and I would have had something to offer. Mm. But, you know, you have more to offer down the line, but there's no reason to stop you, you know, at, at that point. And just, I think, yeah, no matter what, start building a list, right? I mean, yeah. You never know one because one client as well. I mean, could turn into a full time thing if that's what you're looking for at some point. That's worth you know five grand a month to you or something, or you know something that's recurring. But you know, once you get like like you said, you know, you've got your list. Generating a client can be as easy as typing something up and hitting send. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible too. I can take a month off and uh, you know come back. And I don't need to like sit around waiting for clients after that month, or I might not even even have any clients in my email inbox. I just need to send a few emails to the list, and someone's going to be like, "Yep, yeah, let's do it." It's yeah. So it's here. So when I say like set up a website, the main thing is really that we set up a website so you can get some email addresses is the is the real thing. Um, right, and you built most of yours through free traffic, right? You didn't. I know you've done some paid, but the majority of, of your yeah. stuff most of it's free has been through 
yeah. podcasts and different stuff and, and buyers, you know, I'm sure from your product, but I mean, it just goes to show it's, you don't have to have anything amazing at the start to start getting things going. Exactly. Yeah. And then is there anything else than you're doing these days to get clients, uh, as you know, other than sort of just sending them to your website and getting email signups and stuff like that? Well, it's, it's funny you say that cause I'm actually, I, I am doing some, some different stuff. What I like to do is, you know, the clients that come to my site via the podcast and things, some of them are decently sized and they can, you know, they're going to pay quite a bit of money for stuff. But um, I want to find out, I want to find companies that I can add at least a million, like do it, run a campaign for them and do at least a million dollars for them in sales. Because I know if I can do that, I can charge them at least $100,000 for a fee. So, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't require me anywhere like it might require a little bit more work in terms of closing the deal and managing it but you know it's a little bit more work to go from making you know five ten grand a pop twenty grand a pop to going and making a hundred thousand dollars in one go so and i haven't got these clients yet but what i'm working on is a process i'm testing a few different ways right now to bring on these type of clients because because the way i the way i used to see it was a hundred thousand dollars that's a lot of money i'm not worth that much and that was the old thinking and now the way i think the way i see it is all i got to do is find companies where i can add at least a million dollars in sales with a some sort of sales funnel or campaign. As long as I can do that, then it's worth $100,000 to them. So that's, uh, and the ways of doing that, I'm just looking for companies that get a lot of leads that have a really high customer value. And then, uh, you know, this could be car companies, it could be mortgage companies, banks even, any like big, big, big companies and uh, trying to work out deals like that. So that's, I think, the, one of the goals for this year is to start getting those kind of deals. Right, and so you got. I know you're doing some cold calling and different stuff like that, right? Like whatever it takes. Sort of that's your your mindset again, just at a new threshold of you know what you want to get paid for that. Yeah, I mean, I've done a, done a bit of the cold calls. What I've noticed though is that it's a little bit untargeted. So what I'm working with now is trying to find like a better. Uh, I did some cold calls with some kitchen and bathroom companies actually, and that would work. That worked okay, but it wasn't. It wasn't that relevant, you know. I was getting designers and just small, you know, small players. So I'm, I'm, you know, going through. I'm changing. The, I'm going to change the messaging on my own website a little bit to bring in to sort of, you know, draw in some of the bigger, the bigger clients, bigger prospects, uh, and then also going to do that outreach. And the outreach will start with cold emails and probably getting them on this podcast actually to talk about uh, if this strategy works. Yeah, there'll be podcasts on this. Of here's how, here's how a ten million dollar company is using. Here's how a ten million dollar brick and mortar company because that makes it more interesting. It's using direct response marketing to to grow their business because everyone knows you know I've done a lot of stuff on internet marketing, a lot of stuff on sales funnels and emails and and you know traffic and all that. But what would be really interesting uh, and profitable I think for for my client side of stuff is to you know bring on these uh, bring on these guys to like imagine getting a guy who's you know who does ten million dollars in sales with a with a car company and get him on the podcast to talk about some of the direct response stuff they're doing for themselves. You know I think that yeah, would I mean, be it's, interesting. It, it definitely reshapes your mindset a lot too, just because I know, you know, when I started with Crisis, you know, I'm looking for, originally looking for like, oh, how can I get more from this email list or how can I, you know, sort of squeeze out extra stuff from here and there. And it's like, no, it's really not what we're interested in. Like, mm. let's build a new funnel that's going to do a million a month. Yeah. That's, that's what's interesting. Yep. And that's, you know, and it's, you know, that's like you said, you've sort of changed your threshold if somebody had said you were going to be looking for clients that would pay you a hundred thousand dollars you know a couple years ago you'd go i doubt that like that seems impossible right now Mm. and now it's exactly what you're going after but it is it's a different scale on that level of um income 
Absolutely, yeah. And it's interesting too. Like, if it's it's not like every client, if I you know if I do that and get this uh, reliable way to get these clients, it's not like it's all going to be a hundred grand. What'll happen is I'll just you know find out. Some companies might be a hundred thousand dollars. Like some people, some companies might be able to add say a million dollars in revenue in the next six months, six to twelve months. In which case they'll pay a hundred. Some clients, because they're a little bit bigger, they might be able to do three to five million dollars, which means the deal's worth three to five hundred thousand dollars for me. So it's the pricing then goes up and down depending on the return that I'm going to be able to provide for them. So it's it's just a bigger game, and I think one thing I realize is the biggest thing that stops most people, including me, from doing this, or what stopped me in the past, is just being, is just cutting myself out, being like, oh, I can't do that. Either I can't do it, I don't deserve it, I'm not good enough, no one's going to pay that much, emails aren't worth that much. Now I'm like, screw that, it's ROI. If the ROI is there, then it's worth them paying me. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I think, just like you said, you know, if you're going to be able to generate a million dollars for somebody, why wouldn't they pay you 100000 and it goes the same with individual emails. I mean, if you're sending to a list of a thousand, ten thousand people, and each email is generating, you know, three hundred dollars for them, why wouldn't they pay you fifty to a hundred bucks an email? Now, if you get to, you know, if you're writing emails to a, you know, three hundred thousand million person list, whatever it is, and each email does ten grand for them, why wouldn't they pay you at least five hundred bucks an email? Yeah, you know, that's it. The value what you're going to get paid is relative to the value that you're providing for others. Hmm. If you're providing them with that level of value, then they're going to be willing to pay you a percentage of that. Exactly. It's just a matter of, you know, deriving, producing and providing more and more value, you know, with each hour, essentially. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So probably wrap this up a bit, but um, yeah, any, so if there was any one sort of thing you had to say for somebody who was trying to get clients and make, make a go at this and turn, their full-time income into freelancing. One real keystone piece of advice, what would that move be if you can boil it down to that? Move to Thailand so you can live off of very little. Well, I mean, you can you can come. When I came to Thailand, like some people come to Thailand and they spend, uh, you know, 500, five, you, know, you live in Thailand for 500 bucks a month. So, and it's not that you have to live on 500 bucks a month forever, but you come here and you spend 500 a month. And uh, that means you've got so much less... Um, You've got so much less, because uh, you, your expenses are so lower, you don't need to make as much money, which means there's less stress and you can focus on just getting clients. You don't have to worry so much. Um, so I think a lot of people, like, yeah, I mean, like, just do, do the stuff that we've talked about here. Like I said before, the doing stuff is fairly straightforward. It's the, it's the mindset stuff you've got to work through, but moving to, to sort of like a low-cost you know, environment, a low-cost country, is going to make things, take a lot of stress off, at least, especially in the initial stages. And as soon as you're making more money, as soon as you're making enough to, you know, to, to, to step up your lifestyle, you can do it. I mean, Thailand's a great place. If, you know, once you've got more money to play with, Thailand is fantastic. And then, you know, of course, you can move back to the US, you can go to Europe, you can live, you know, you can do anything. So I think that's one of the best things that uh, if you're self-motivated, because some people come here and they, and they make a grand a month and they get satisfied and they don't go anywhere. But if you're self-motivated and you're ambitious, start off in somewhere like Thailand or the Philippines or Vietnam, get things going and then go back to wherever you want to go because um, that'll give you the, the sort of, uh, that's what I've done, that's what's worked for me. And uh, you know, I'm not living on 500 bucks a month at all anymore. But um, I don't think I ever did. Maybe in the Philippines. But, uh, but that was really how I got started. You know, if I didn't do that, I would I would never have been able to sort of afford to you know t- take a few months off to go and work on this. So that's my suggestion. Yeah, and I know when we first talked, I was thinking about. I was, I mean, it, I was at the level where I remember I had dinner with some friends and I had twelve dollars in my bank account, mm. and I said I'm so broke, and I was like I'm never going to say that again. And that was the time I remember we talked, and you're like, if you could just save up, you know, five grand, you'd be able to move here for six months comfortably. 
you know, and be totally sorted. And that was even then was like a bigger number. Mm. And, you know, I'm, but I've, I've just started having a guy intern with me who, um, actually I think, you know, uh, who's in Thailand and, you know, he's just getting by at the moment, but you never know. It's not going to be a linear path. Your path's not going to be the same as anybody else, but you know, now he's getting to work and learn a ton. Um, because he's able to create time freedom and stuff by being in Thailand and only needing to work, you know, a certain bit to mm. cover his, his monthly amount. Mm. And, you know, if you're trying to, if you're grinding it out in the States, trying to, you know, just get by with that much, it's hard to free up that time to create this lifestyle. Exactly. Exactly. So I think we're right. Yeah, we are. I'd say we're right on time. We've gone a little bit overboard. But we've done like a big sort of adventure through mindset and clients and copywriting. Is this going to be suitable for uh, for the team over at uh, 8020 email marketing? Yes. Uh, 80, yeah, 8020 email copy. 8020 the, uh, email copy. Okay. I think they'll be very happy with this. And honestly, as, as much as some people, you know, the fact is people think it's tactics and techniques. That's what's sexy. That's what they want to hear. But it's strategies and principles that, you know, win overall. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's the mindset that creates it. So hopefully uh, people can take away the fact that that's, you know, the biggest thing. If, you, if every day you wake up and your first 30 minutes are spent trying to find a client, you're going to find one. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So before we go though, uh, someone, you know, the listener might be a bit curious after this conversation uh, who, because people know who I am and where the site is, but uh, they might want to know who you are, well, more about who you are and uh, want to check out the, uh, the, the product that you sell, that kind of thing. So where's the best place for them to learn more? Yeah, so you can go to 8020emailcopy.com, which is just 8020 email copy. I, uh, I haven't actually reopened the product yet, but I'm planning on doing that pretty soon here within the next couple of days actually i've just launched it once so but you can go there opt in get some uh, cool email stuff from me and uh, see what i'm about if you like my straightforward harsh nature <laughs> do it well i uh, i encourage people to go see that i'll have a link i have a link to the and i'll also uh Send it out to the team. So, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, man. It's great. Happy 100. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.